Hey everybody, it's Adam Farkas. Welcome back to another edition of OD Wire Radio, and I have by my side as usual Paul Farkas here. And we're on to part two uh, of our three-part series, uh, all all about uh, owning your own practice. And uh, part, if you listen to part one, you'll know we ended up at team building. The idea that you shouldn't and you cannot do this alone. So no matter how you know powerful you think you are, don't even attempt it um, because there are so many. Uh, different specialized functions and people that you need uh, to rely upon uh, to build your practice successfully. And uh, don't just take it from me. We have an expert. Uh, Tom Baker is here with us. He's the vice president and business development manager in the Midwest region for Wells Fargo Practice Finance. And Tom has been at this for uh, 25 years or more. So he's he set up more than a few practices. Uh, so we're really grateful to have Tom here with us to talk about it. So Tom, again, thanks so much for being here today. Great. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. So again, we were talking about team building and who you're going to need to actually get your practice off the ground. So uh, why why don't we start from the beginning and uh, sort of define what we mean? So what do we mean by a professional team? Yeah, you saw, you, you, you really need a team of experts to help you through this whole process. And, um, Generally, that, that team of experts will consist of, um, you know, a, a lender, an attorney, an accountant, uh, an insurance broker, uh, maybe a practice broker if you're um, thinking about buying a practice, a commercial real estate agent, uh, but a team of, uh, of individuals and uh, different organizations that have been through this process before. Uh, they have knowledge and experience uh, about how to go about putting this type of a thing together. And uh, they will um, certainly help make your life a whole lot easier and uh, help you uh, achieve your goals um, by having the right group of people helping you out. So can we, can we really, really define what each of these categories are and what they do? Absolutely. So, you know, a lender, and I'm with a specialty lender. Uh, we specialize in healthcare financing and, and have uh, for over 25 years. Uh, the, the, the biggest difference between a specialty lender and a local or community bank is that a specialty lender is someone that uh, has uh, worked with uh, other healthcare professionals, uh, specifically uh, in optometry, uh, has helped uh, new doctors start practices, has helped doctors buy practices. Um, a specialty lender doesn't need to be educated about optometry and uh, what it takes uh, to start an optometry practice because they've done that already. And so you'll find that working with a specialty lender is going to make your life a lot easier. A specialty lender will have more favorable terms, and the whole process will go a lot smoother. Uh, you're going to need a good attorney. The attorney will help you uh, in a number of different ways. Uh, the attorney will help you to establish your business entity. Um, you know, they'll guide you through what is it better to be a, a, a C corporation or an S corporation or an LLC or a sole proprietor, and they'll give you, um, you know, the, the pros and cons of doing that. Um, they'll help you uh, negotiate and work through the terms of uh, the lease for your rental space. Uh, so an attorney is going to be very valuable to you. 
uh, and then, uh, so is an accountant and a CPA, and, and if possible, it's certainly beneficial to find a CPA that has healthcare experience, uh, does accounting uh, and tax work for other doctors, and more specifically, uh, other optometrists, because uh, besides doing your, your monthly and quarterly and, and annual accounting and taxes, uh, a qualified CPA uh, that has other optometry clients can, uh, you know, can show you how you stack up to uh, other uh, of colleagues in your industry. And so uh, you want to make sure that your expenses are in line, uh, you're maximizing your, your gross revenue, and you're maximizing your net income and your, and your take-home. So an accountant can help guide you in the right direction and uh, help you through that whole process. Um, you're going to need an insurance agent uh, to help you uh, with your fire and theft and contents insurance for your space. Uh, you're certainly going to want to look into life and disability insurance and, and other types of insurances, uh, insurance that they provide. If uh, you're thinking about um, buying a practice, um, a practice broker is uh, an important key uh, because the practice broker will help identify um, potential practices that that fit that fit uh, the specifics that that you've provided and uh, and help minimize the amount of, of time that you're going to spend looking for a practice uh, when you have somebody that specializes in that can do it for you. Uh, a commercial real estate agent is going to be important if uh, you're um, thinking in terms of renting a space and doing a startup. Um, you know, again, uh, based on, on the, the specifics that you provide, the demographics, where you want to be, what kind of, how much space you want, they'll go out and do the bird dogging for you. And then they'll take you out and show you um, a handful of potential spaces, uh, help uh, negotiate terms with the landlord. So uh, all of these folks are going to be uh, very, very um, you know, uh, specific in helping you to put your project together, and uh, they're going to help uh, ensure your success. Now, what, what word of caution, I'm, I'm sure you're going to go over it, is the fact you have to be certain to know uh, who the uh, broker represents, whether it's the real estate broker or the practice broker. Do they represent the seller, or are they transactional brokers that can represent without bias both the seller and the buyer? This is very important to know uh, when you go into any sort of negotiation. Yeah, I I absolutely agree with that, no question. And in most cases, it's been my experience that practice brokers are really working for the seller. So, um, you know, they have the seller's best interests at, at heart, and uh, it's it's no different than selling your home. You know, you you uh, hire a, a real estate broker. They list your home. Uh, you know, they maximize their revenue by selling their own listings. And so practice brokers really operate the same way. Um, so they're working on behalf of, of the seller, 
And that's another reason why you need to assemble your own team of experts. So uh, if, uh, you know, you're in the market to buy a practice and you find that practice that you think is right for you, then you want to have your own team of experts do their evaluation and that will help minimize, uh, you know, any, um, you know, mistakes or, you know, chances of, of uh, you know, maybe uh, things just not working out in your favor. Well, you know, Tom, you're, you're a lender, right? So uh, yeah. you have a very clear interest in things going well <laughs> for the folks who are starting up. Um, so, my, <laughs> so, so I guess my, my question is, um, you know, it's sort of like you, when you get a house appraised, right? The bank will not loan you money if the appraisal doesn't come in. Do you offer any help to someone who might be working with you? Um, to try to, to get this team together and really make sure uh, that they're maximizing the value. Yes, we do. And so in the different markets that, that we are in um, throughout the country, and, and there's within Wells Fargo practice finance, uh, there's maybe 25 people like myself that that uh, have different territories throughout the country. So we, uh, from doing this on a daily basis, uh, we we know qualified accountants and attorneys and uh, commercial real estate agents and different folks that we can refer in and uh, help you to assemble your team. Uh, another value that, that we bring as a specialty lender is that we become another set of eyes and ears. So even though uh, you may have had a practice broker do an evaluation and they do their cash flow analysis. As a lender, we do our own cash flow analysis. And so, you know, we're working on behalf of the borrower uh, who um, ultimately, uh, hopefully, will end up as our client. Not always, but in many, in most cases, they do. But uh, as part of the the value that we provide and the service that we provide to the marketplace is, we will do our own evaluation, and it's more cash flow related. So we work through the numbers, uh, we go through the the prior several years of tax returns, we do our cash flow analysis um, because uh, you know as. Uh, um, as uh, Adam had pointed out, that yes, you know we're you know we're protecting the best interests of the bank, and we want to make sure that that our loans are are good loans and and we get repaid. Uh, but we also want to make sure that that our borrowers are protected, and that um, when they're entering into a situation, it makes good sound financial sense. So you use the term that might be a strange term. Uh, to 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 a novice, the cash flow analysis. Could you just quickly define what you mean by that? Sure. So cash flow analysis is really it's it's a mathematical equation whereby uh, you know we we are looking at the um, you know the income that's coming out of the practice. And, you know, the income that comes out of the practice consists of several different parts. Um, it's net income, of course. So uh, after, you know, everybody has been paid, uh, including the owner, and all the expenses have been paid, how much is left? So it's really net income. We look at the owner's uh, salary and how much income the owner is making. 
Uh, we look at if uh, there's any um, depreciation for equipment purchases or uh, leasehold improvements or things like that. Uh, we look at if there's any interest expense, so if, if there's any debt to the practice and there's interest expense, uh, that's uh, really considered an add-back. Uh, we try to determine if uh, there are any uh, other non-cash expenses that are going through the practice, if there are any personal expenses that might be run through the practice, so we can get a, a true uh, determination of what the real cash flow is and how much net income and, and cash flow the practice is generating. So I guess my so I guess my question, you know, getting back to the whole the whole concept of teams, um, when I'm at when I'm going out to look for my team, assuming that I, I don't just come to someone like you and, and have it all assembled for me, um, what kind of questions should I be asking people? How should I be probing them to to decide whether or not they're going to do an adequate job for me? Yeah, so I, th- I think you want to ask, um, you know, industry-specific type questions to get a feel for, um, you know, how much experience do these folks have, and and it won't take you long in your interviewing process to you know to really figure it out. But you could tell pretty quickly uh, if a lender has worked with other doctors and other healthcare professionals. Um, just by the kind of questions that, that they might ask you. And uh, the same holds true for your for the, your accountant and CPA and uh, the practice broker or the commercial real estate agent. Uh, you might ask for, uh, you know, a, a list of previous clients that they have worked with and get some referrals uh, so that you can go out and, and do some of your own research. And so I, I think w- with a combination of that, uh, you'll get a pretty good feel for, uh, you know, whether or not, th- you know, these uh, prospective, um, you know, teammates, so to speak, and industry specialists, if, you know, if they have experience and if they're going to be right for you. You know, I was going to ask you about referrals. That's something that's okay to ask for? It's, there's not any confidentiality issues or anything like that? Uh, I would think that that uh, if uh, if it's a uh, an accountant or CPA that that they would be more than happy to provide you with names of uh, existing or previous clients. It's not like they're divulging any financial information to you. Uh, I know that many commercial real estate agents, uh, you know, oftentimes include that in their marketing materials. Uh, so do practice brokers. So I think they'll they'll be uh, um, pretty uh, willing to provide that information if you ask them. So how would you, uh, once you assemble this team, uh, how how do you get them to understand what your priorities are? For example, uh, when you have an accountant, you can have the most conservative accountant in the world, but yet you uh, you really want to be a little more aggressive when it comes to taxing and and getting the best tax benefits. So how, how do you interview a, an accountant, for example, and say, hey, we're, we're, what's your philosophy about this? Well, I think, uh, you know, those are, are all good uh, questions to ask. And, um, you know, quite honestly, um, you know, if, if you have an accountant that, that has other health care professionals, 
um, they're probably going to be pretty well versed on, uh, you know, what the tax benefits are, uh, what depreciation schedules are for health care, and how is, you know, the best way to go about, uh, you know, expensing certain items and, and, uh, and taking, uh, you know, getting the, the most uh, bang for your buck, so to speak, especially when you invest in new equipment. Um, so I, I think it's a lot of it's going to be a gut check, and I think if, if you come across an accountant that, that has a, a pretty good book of healthcare professionals that they do accounting for, um, I think they're they're probably going to going to satisfy you with with uh, you know their knowledge and experience in the industry. All right. Well, I think we're just about out of time. Uh, in part three of our interview, we're going to be talking about managing your financial profile. Uh, AKA how to make yourself look good for the bank. <laughs> um, so Tom, thanks so much for being here. And I, and I look forward to uh, picking things up in part three.